A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to a multicolor heist. I am John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Netflix original series Kaleidoscope, the blue episode. Each podcast, we will cover an episode of this unique show that allows you to watch in any order you want. We will avoid spoilers for the other episodes on each podcast until the final episode, which should be white for all viewers. Check the show notes for our full watch order. In this episode, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown of the episode titled Blue. As Netflix has randomized the viewing order for each user, be sure to manually select each episode if you want to follow along with us. A reminder, you can send us feedback to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com, and we'll get to those emails in our season wrap-up podcast on February 1st. If you want to keep talking Kaleidoscope with us, join us over at the Bald Move Discord. Link is in the show notes and at baldmove.com. We have a well-moderated server and dedicated thread set up for Kaleidoscope. Each episode is siloed so you can join the conversations at any time without fear of spoilers. A quick reminder about our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us directly, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. For just three bucks a month, you get ad-free and early access to all of our podcasts. Of course, you can get our ad-supported podcast on our Lorehounds feed by searching for us on your podcast application of choice. So, David, what'd you think about Blue? I have to say that this is, of, of the episodes that I've watched so far, and I think I'm up to four now, um, this has been my least favorite. Okay. Um, I think you said that you were enjoying this one, which is really interesting. I think 
it's a mark of the show. Like if, if we're swinging pretty wildly between our opinions about which episodes, <laughs> um, that maybe is a measure of, of how the show is doing overall. I was trying to watch the blue episode as if I had not seen any other episodes, right? Just sort of trying to suspend my knowledge and, and just feel like, oh, what it might be like if somebody was watching blue as their first episode. Mm-hmm. And I think if I watched blue as my first episode, I would have been confused AF. I agree. Like, there were so many heel turns in this, little plot twists, little amps and ramps of character conflict and um, the different things that were at stake, you know, and that are coming to a head. And I just didn't feel like it was a smooth episode. It was very jumpy around. And if you were trying to watch this one for the first time, I, I don't know that I would have stuck with it, uh, to be honest. That said, if you stick it right in front of its timeline and where it's sort of supposed to be, it makes sense why certain things are happening and, and why the amplitude, you know, and the, of the shocks and the, the mm-hmm. little twists and turns, you know, could affect. And so, yeah, it's, I, I think for me, it was a really confusing episode. What did you think? I think that you're right that it does not make sense as a first episode, but I do think that it was coherent as a, an in-the-middle episode. Okay. I did enjoy it when I watched it, but watching, I'm up to six episodes now, watching Ooh, the rest you of them. raced ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, again, we're going to keep all spoilers from other episodes away until the white episode. It's really hard to do, too. Just from a podcaster standpoint, listeners, like, it's not an easy show to podcast about. I know, but I've, I've been uh, recording initial impressions and questions along the way so that I kind of put myself in the headspace of where I was at when I first watched the episode. Gosh, how professional of you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. But anyway, I did like the episode. I didn't love it. I think that a lot of the other episodes are a lot stronger, um, uh, but it's not a bad episode, I would say. Right. I do think that watching this episode and other episodes, and we'll talk about this more in the season wrap, I don't think that this show's goal of making this a, a coherent but uh, interchangeable season mm-hmm. was successful. Yeah, I do think that this could be a thing that people try in the future, but it would have to be done differently. I don't think that this was a story to do it with. You're right. Okay. Well, I think we'll have lots of thoughts for our wrap-up podcast, for sure. Absolutely. But I'm still having a good time. So uh, if you have nothing else, I think that it's time to get into our scene-by-scene breakdown. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we are five days before the heist. It's getting real. Um, we're going to start off with Roger. I did this one as a division between uh, Roger and then the heist prep crew. Okay. So first, Roger rides a car to work while Leo talks smack about him in the narration. Stefan Tile arrives to see the vault and Roger gives Stefan a tour. Stefan invites Roger to a party with the triplets. Roger later receives an anonymous congratulatory text. This was the first time that we had something that was a little eyebrow raising in this episode, especially if this yeah. is the first episode you're watching. Like, right. what is happening with this uh, menacing text? Yeah, the, it, it was really out of the blue. And um, I mean, if you've seen some other episodes that you could definitely you know, piece it together, which is an interesting thing of how to write a narration like this is how to create these different through-line threads. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like, if you hadn't seen this before, like, wh- what's going on? Like, th- I think it would be very confusing. Yeah, because without knowing much about Leo at this point, 
mm-hmm. the show does a good job of convincing you that he's the one sending these texts. Right. Yeah, exactly. You would think that, that yeah, he's, he's running a second con on him, kind of, in a way. Right. Or at least, like, trying to put the pressure up on him. Which you think to yourself, right. okay, that's really stupid because you're just alerting him before this heist. Right. I mean, this guy's got to be naturally suspicious, right? I mean, in the business that he's in and the people that he's dealing with, he's got to be, um, there's no coincidence. You can't believe in coincidence. Right. So Roger and his wife attend Stefan's soiree. Stefan invites Roger to a private meeting with the triplets who ask him to launder their $7 billion in bonds. Do, do you find the triplets very scary? I don't know. They they do kind of seem a little too cartoonish to be scary. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that they did too much uh too much of the cartoon villain thing with them. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I wasn't I, I wasn't quite buying them. Um I get some of the archetypes that they're going with, but uh I'm not sure if it if it sells uh so well. And to be honest too, hey dude, flip our 7 billion and, uh, you know, make it quick. L- like, I'm sorry, nobody in the world can flip $7 billion that cleanly and that fast. You Saul know, Goodman that could. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a hard order, you know. <laughs> um, so I think it's a little bit, yeah, I mean, they're certainly ramping up the pressure on, on Roger here, which is, you know, increasing the stakes. But I was a little bit, I think it was a little, a, a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah. Not loving the triplets plotline, but it's, uh, I guess, just a device for us. They're not yeah. super developed characters, so let's just let them be what they are. Exactly. Very, very two-dimensional, very, very simple and flat. Okay, so Roger gets an anonymous threatening call with an email that shows his picture with the name Graham Davies. This causes him to order a full evaluation of SLS's security. Hannah's younger sister, Liz, gets a pep talk. So, like, if you're watching this for the first time, yeah, yeah, again, like, one of these things of, like, what is going on? Right. Like, right, who is this guy who has this, like, I mean, the, the upfront cost of building that vault and staffing up and, and hiring all those goons and, and you know, really slick, uh, you know, IT people, like, that's, um, that's a, this is a significant business. Right. And to be sort of so easily blackmailed and spooked is is a little bit, um, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of it. This is also, you know, the first time I can remember hearing Liz's name uh-huh. throughout all the episodes. And I'm not going to talk about like what happens in the other episodes, but this is something that I'm thinking here. Is, is she going to be a main character? Right. Is this uh, something that's going to f- be followed through on? I don't know if it does because I haven't seen everything, but... Um, I'm not really sure what Hannah is doing with Liz there. There's a line that Hannah says to Liz later about, uh, you know, remember why you're really here. Mm. That really makes me suspicious of what's going on there. And I genuinely don't know if something comes of that, but it's uh, something to keep our eye on, I think. Right. Yeah, because in this episode, you don't know the the relationship other than what she calls her little sister. Right. And that they're, they're close. I mean, they have an intimacy and a, and a friendship and a kinship, obviously by the sort of playfulness that they, they playful way that they have with each other. Right. But yeah, that's a really good question is, is like, how is Liz going to factor in when shit really starts to go down? Right. And is she going to be 
uh, is she going to get into trouble? Is she going to cause some sort of accident? Is she going to be an X factor? Or is she being set up to perform a specific function, be either a useful idiot or not, you know, but to be used in some way? I mean, well, we can't talk about other episodes, but I mean, I think what we can tell from this episode, Hannah, Hannah's no joke, right? right. She's a serious operator. And um, so we can seem, we could, we could make some suppositions about her character as being somebody who's thorough and attends to the details. Yeah. And trying to sell one of her clients on more services at a party. That's uh, ballsy, huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. I couldn't imagine. That's, that's insane. So anyway, Roger gets a call from Graham Davies demanding 4.3 million be sent to his account within three days. Rajiv finds a back door in the temperature sensors, but Hannah convinces Roger that it could not be intentional. Roger tells his right man, right hand man about the threats. So this whole back door thing, um, yeah, this is one of the heel turns that that really threw me a little bit. But then, like, if we just look at what Hannah's doing here and just like who Hannah is as a fresh character, she's clear. I mean. It's clear to us, the audience, that she's backpedaling and, and making excuses. She's sus. Um, do- totally sus, right? 100%. And, but obviously, she has Roger's confidence, so you know they, they let it slide. At this point, though, with what we know about Hannah, is she just genuinely being dismissive of somebody didn't wait seven years to do this? Or is she behind it a little bit? This is my point in that... Um, the in this business that SLS is in, you cannot be uh, laissez-faire about any kind of circumstance like that. If it was a seven-year-old, you know, um, firmware bug, you're going to send a whole forensic team to chase that down and close that loophole because you cannot accept one flaw, one backdoor, one little trip up, like everything has to be checked, triple checked and, and run through because of the nature of the business that you're in. And so to just sort of dismiss it, um, as a, well, seven years old, you know, it was a firmware bug. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't buy it. Not if I was in Roger's position. Well, it depends. I mean, she is his senior VP of digital security like if yeah if she says this is definitely a glitch then it probably is a glitch in his eyes you have to be able to trust your senior management at least a little bit if you're gonna have a functioning company hey call it a glitch but still run it down yeah right oh you i know, think still they do. still do the full board yeah that's right i think, I think they you're do. right yeah. i think he orders them you know a full fixes. forensic yeah okay roger's eyes are bothering him so hannah tells him to call an eye doctor the eye doctor who comes to stand who prescribes eye drops for a bacterial infection, but he's really doing a facial scan of Roger. Yeah, I was like, what is going on here in this scene? I didn't really understand that at all. And then, like, at the end, I was like, oh, okay, they did the whole, like, facial scan thing. Again, man, I'd be suspect, uh, you know, somebody taking my, a, a facial scan of me in my high-tech office like that. No, nah, it wouldn't fly with me. But Roger's all about the tech. Look around. Look at all oh, his yeah. uh, gear that he's got. And he didn't go to the doctor like the doctor came. What I what optometrist? I mean, if you got money, you can get whatever you want to come to. <laughs> I, I guess so. He's worth four point so. three mil. He can pay the optometrist to come to him. That's right. So Roger goes to Andrew working in a data recovery store. 
after tracking him down with the account number given by the threatening caller. Andrew admits to being the anonymous caller and reiterates his threats. So, do we know who... We don't know... If you didn't watch another episode, you wouldn't know who this guy is. Right. Who Andrew is. Right. But you do know that at least Roger thinks that Andrew stole from him, and Andrew says, no, I didn't steal from you. Right. I guess they do give us the exposition. I guess it doesn't really matter how uh, Andrew was found out, just more that he was set up and uh, he's counter blackmailing, I guess, in a way yeah. to, uh, to, to get something, you know, to get back on, on Roger. And in a way, you get it because, sure. you know, Andrew's been blacklisted. His wife left him and took his kid. I mean, his, his life is ruined because of Roger. Do you think this show would have been make more sense if we had watched it in the Severance universe? Like if we could have watched East episode individually before? Hmm. <laughs> if we could have watched each. Uh, <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like if we were in the Severance universe and like we had our brains shut off and uh, in between each episode, oh, we yeah. could just watch these and podcast about them individually. But how many times do we have to be severed to get each yeah, episode separately? I mean, I don't think our brains would be functioning anymore. No, it would be pretty gnarly. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, um, I think that Andrew does seem to be a desperate man. And yeah. you get that when even after Roger is very, very dark in how he's presenting this like you have one last chance, man. And right. Andrew seems to know that Roger has a dangerous past. Yeah. I think that Andrew has no other choices here. He has right. no other options to get his life back on track. I am, I was surprised, I mean, Andrew is certainly spooked. I mean, Ray, not Andrew, I'm sorry, Roger is certainly spooked by this. And I think, yeah, he does resort to having his henchmen kill him, which I thought was a very sloppy murder in a lot of ways. He's eating his fries. He, well, you know, that's fair enough. Uh, you know, you know who, who can resist an, of a, war. A, a, open, exactly, an open fry container is an invitation, right? <laughs> Even when you kill the purchaser? Absolutely. Everyone knows that's an open okay. invitation. But yeah, like the, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, he's suffocated. He's got paint all over his shoes. So the murderer is going to track the paint out of the store. It's not a robbery. You know, it was all a little bit like, I think if you, you know, I think give, you know, the FBI given enough time or the, the cops enough time, they would have been able to... Um, put some stuff together here. But at the same time, the stakes are what they are. I mean, I think Roger is totally freaked out by the triplets and this issue of having to move these the $7 billion. And the last thing he wants is a little fly in his ointment over 4.3, you know, million, right? Yeah. Um, well, 4.3 million is his net worth. He net knows. worth. So yeah. that would make him broke if he did that. Right. Exactly. But I mean, what's the commission on seven billion? <laughs> what is the commission on seven billion? Hmm. I don't know. Roger goes to a sauna and Stan follows him there. Stan is about to strangle Roger, but stops after hearing Roger's description of hurricanes. This was, I think, if if I had been, again, going back to the I haven't seen another episode and I watched this, I would be confused as all hell, as all get out in this. Like, he's standing over him, dripping over him, about to strangle him, and then, like, has this t heel turn, at, literally, and, and walks off. I, I was 
This was the most flummoxing scene for me of this episode. I don't know. What did you think? I don't think that it's an issue of it not being connected to another episode, because I think that they do at least tell you that Leo hates Roger with all his body. That's true. Yeah. So I think that that's reasonable with that part. What confused me was why the hurricane triggered this. Like, you haven't heard about a hurricane in the last right. like few weeks. Like, you know that a hurricane's coming. Right. Uh, you, you at least are paying attention to the news. You want to hear if anyone's suspicious of you, things like that. Right. I don't really understand how this would have triggered him so much, because it would be one thing if, like, Roger said something about the hurricane that made him go, oh, hurricanes do this, so that will help with the heist. I don't right. think that really happened. I think it was basically just like, hurricanes have water, and water is going to help us do the heist. Right. Very confusing. Very confusing. Yeah. I don't think it's a an issue with where it is in the watch order. I think it's an issue of kind of just sloppy storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. It felt very... And, and it felt like, I think we mentioned in Yellow, that you know there is a basis in truth here around some bear bonds that were stolen during uh, Superstorm Standy. And um, it, this feels like the writer shoehorning in the um, circumstance of the storm to sort of, you know, bring that, el- that chaotic uh, random element in. Like just that, the, oh, the back door disappeared and now we have a storm and now we have our, our way to fix all of this stuff. So it, it did feel a little force. The plot felt a little bit forced for me on this, on this point. Agreed. So Roger's storyline closes when Stefan tells Roger that he knows who he really is and tells him they'll speak after the storm. Yes. This was pretty uh, dark, huh? I mean, it makes sense that the, uh, the triplets can track down someone. I'm kind yeah. of amazed in this universe how easy it is for someone to just change their name and be a completely different person, especially when there's someone who is a well-known financial actor. Right. Very confusing. Well, again, I guess if you have money and you can get an optometrist to come to your, you make a house call, you could get uh, new identities pretty straightforward. I think the new ide- the identity thing, like, because they even made a reference to it in another episode. This is not a spoiler, but the whole idea of going back and finding a birth record and a death record and these kinds of things and creating these false identities, I think that was a um, from what I've read and heard, that was not an uncommon thing back in the 80s. I think you could, up until sort of the 80s, 90s, uh, it was an easier task to achieve. I don't know if it happened before that, though. How old is Roger really that he's changing his identity? Yeah, when is 80s? what years all this? Yeah, because this is what, 24? Well, how, well, I how think far this is supposed to go? be now. Like this, it is, like the heist yeah. is supposed to be now. And we go back 24 years from the beginning. There. Right. So. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Hey, you know, they're criminals working in criminal ways with, you know, criminal money. They can get stuff done. Okay. Let's just take you at your word and let's come back after the break to talk about the heist prep. Sounds great. Welcome. 
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately! Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. And we're back. Who's ready to get into some heist prep? Yeah, this was the full-on exposition. Uh, we're going to explain everything to you about the vault scene. Yeah, I don't know how much I liked it, honestly. I thought it no. was a little too spoon-feedy. Yeah, it, it really was. And then, like, certain reveals were, like, a little bit dramatic. Like, you've been working in this space this whole time, and you didn't notice the scaffolding and all this kind of stuff. So it was very, it was very, uh, um, uh, sh it was very telly, not showy. I did appreciate, though, that Bob was on his phone and had his phone taken away by the teacher. Yeah, that was cute. That was that pretty was funny. Cute. Yeah. Okay, so let me just go through the, the seven steps quick. Sounds good. All right, so first step is 505 Wall Street is the first job to clone the RF transmitter which is done by RJ in the montage. Then we have getting into SLS with armed guards and restricted access elevators. Step three is two more armed guards with military training in the lobby. Step four is the hallway door. Step five is the hallway walk recognition. Step six is opening the vault door and turning off the temperature centers, sensors with a back door. Step seven is crack the safes, extract the bonds, and haul them onto the truck in about an hour. This was a lot of steps, a lot of steps that you have to do in a short time. Yeah. And with a lot of um, seemingly near impossible steps to achieve. Yeah. Moving the equipment, you know, silently, stacking the things, you know, to take them back out. Like, it seems like a pretty ridiculous job to try to pull off. Well, that is kind of the conceit of the show, though. So I'll give it to him. Okay. <laughs> They're going to do a, a crazy heist that nobody else could do. Fine. That's, that's what we're watching here. That is. It is. So we just got to go with it. Right. It's very, um, my spouse mentioned, she was like, oh, yeah, this is very, you know, Oceans, right? You know, Oceans 11, 12, 13, whatever. I've never seen stuff. any of the Oceans movies. So oh, really? That is probably why I'm enjoying the show a little more than you, is it, it feels fresher to me, because I just haven't yeah. seen this, uh, this formula play out as many times. The, you know, the, the original Ocean's Eleven with the Rat Pack is a classic and it's great and it sort of stands in its own right with uh, Frank Sinatra and, um, and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. And, and the whole crew. Um, the newer Oceans were, you know, they're slick, they're fun, there's a huge production value, um, but they are, that, they are just sort of that simple formulaic, you know, wait for the twist. And once you have the twist, you know, that's it. So I think 
it definitely falls within that same modern genre of uh, of the heist. And I'm waiting for a twist, right? I'm sure during White, we're going to get some, you know, last minute um, uh, surprise uh, turns uh, in how the, the heist is actually going to go down. Yeah, I've seen six episodes and I still have a ton of questions. And uh-huh. uh, I'm very That's curious good. how this wraps up. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the latest temporal entry, and I still have a lot of questions. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a credit to the show, then. I'll yeah. give credit to the show there. Yeah, for sure. So the next step is RJ returns with the RF clone and fishes for a compliment, but Leo is withholding. This was hard to watch. Really? It was. I mean, it was. RJ is just like this kid basically who just wants his dad to like him and leo is just like no i like ava trying to get leo to open up a little bit right yeah it really i think that that shapes their relationship a little bit more with leo and ava than it does with leo and rj totally yeah like what you know an attaboy a a pat on the back you know especially who's somebody who's eager to please you really do have to, uh, you know, throw him a bone, everyone. It, it, it's not a lot. It's not like he's asking for you to take him out for a happy meal at McDonald's or something. It's just like, give him a pat on the back and a thumbs up. You know what? They're going to get $7 billion. Leo can afford a happy meal for the guy. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Bob and RJ practice their roles and get into a physical altercation, which Leo breaks up. Yeah, Bob. Bob is just a, a real piece of work. Uh, and I, I don't like, does he really need to mess with RJ? Does he got to get all, like, alpha male on him? Like, come on, man. Right. I think that Bob is just going to be a problem throughout this whole series. He's going to be the one who causes a lot of stress for the rest of the team. Um, I don't know why they don't kick him off. I know that they need Judy, and that's his partner, but I don't know. You can't figure out how to, like, hey, Bob, we really need you to guard the truck that we're driving away with. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Give him give him some simple job that he can't screw up. Yeah, he's he's trouble no matter what. Yeah, he's real bad. And this this uh this I appreciated the exposition on the bearer bonds, the size and the weight and how difficult it was. And then like seeing RJ stacking that pallet and I've you know, I've done a little bit of warehouse work, you know, way back and in, in whatever. And like, you know, and you're moving those pallet jacks around, you really do have to be very careful on how you stack stuff like that. Um, so that's actually like a really important job. And I don't wonder if they weren't setting up a little bit of something for when they're trying to get those bonds up out onto the road, right. you know, or out onto the street level and get them loaded in. That is no small feat. Uh, that's got a really, really difficult job. So I'm expecting some trouble there. And they gave that difficult job to RJ. Yes, the kid. Oh, boy. Okay, so Ava goes outside and makes a private phone call and says there's nothing to report. Leo is heading to Roger's place to jam the cameras and set up a facial scan. Ava says this has gotten personal. Stan returns with the bees and watches a bee documentary and complains about the lengua he ordered. I what is with the bees? Like that really confused the the heck out of me. Oh, it's it's weird, man. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Maybe they need like some kind of pheromone or some kind of secretion other than honey because you could buy honey. 
I don't know. Maybe they need something that you need to get fresh from bees. Yeah. Are they going to use the bees as part of the heist, as a distraction, as like, you know, neutralize the guards or something? I don't know. It's very strange to me. I don't know. Random bees we got. Right. So my biggest question is, and I wrote this down as my first impression was, is Ava a mole here? Is Ava the one that Nazan talks about later? Oh, right. Yeah. Do we have a, are there eyes inside of, um, of uh, Leo's crew? Because Leo's got eyes inside of um, SLS. And this whole show, right, is a revenge heist, right? So, like, Leo's trying to get his revenge through the heist. And Roger's no fool. And, yeah, it's a question. Like, what, who's going to be double-crossing who? I think that someone in the team needs to be a mole to make yeah. Nazan's line mean something later. Oh, it just right. depends who it is. Right. Ava... Yeah, I don't know if it's Ava. I don't know what Ava's got in. Like, yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, let's let's definitely keep that an open, uh, an open question as we go forward. Yeah, and too bad for Stan. He can't get good lengua. <laughs> do you know what lengua is? I do not. It's tongue. Oh, sure. Okay, I do know what it's it is. It's gross. I just didn't know the, the the name of it. Yeah. Someone's gonna write in that it's amazing, but I'm sure if you braise it for 18 hours and you soak it and you do the massaging and all that stuff, of course it's gonna be delicious. I'm not eating tongue. You cannot make <laughs> me eat tongue. Okay. Okay. So RJ, Judy, and Bob eat together, and RJ asks for a gun. Bob makes fun of RJ, and Judy plays along. I was really disappointed in Judy here. She just enables yeah. Bob the whole time. Yeah, like, I didn't, I don't understand Judy's turn here because, you know, Stan, he's a lovable goofball, right? But he's not like a silverback beating his chest, whereas Bob is just like an animal. Like, what do you, I don't know what she sees in him. I'm really confused by the relationship. It's really weird. I feel like they have to explain that at some point. Yeah. Really, really weird. So there's not much to say about this scene. So let's move on to Leo breaking into Roger's house. He takes fingerprints. He puts eye drops into the contacts and he observes Roger's family photos. And I noticed there was something too about uh, a watch. Yes. Like yes. they lingered on the watch for a minute. And I was wondering, I think this goes into the mystery of how do these guys know each other? And uh, Leo getting so upset at seeing these family photos and all the things that um, Roger has that Leo doesn't. I, I think they're really drawing a clear contrast there in terms of, of uh, have versus have not. And so obviously there's something deeply rooted in Leo's um, opinions uh, about whatever history that these guys have. Leo is, and it, it really goes to show the the depth of his anger and his frustration at at Roger. Leo has a lot of hate in his heart. He a is lot. just fueled by it. He's like Darth Maul, where it's uh, yes, it's all that's keeping him alive. Obi Wan Kenobi right. cut him in hot half, but that's all that's keeping him alive. <laughs> okay, Stan joins Bob, Judy, and RJ, and the team discusses their dreams after the heist. Bob keeps antagonizing RJ. Stan makes one too many jests at Bob, leading to his eruption, which Judy soothes. Bob tells Judy that when they finish the heist, they will take it all for the two of them. So, yeah, this was the scene where I was just like, what is Judy? What's going on with here, Judy? And then for Bob to do the, like, 
yeah, we're going to take seven million. I'm like, no, you're not, pal. Seven million. Leo is seven billion. Seven billion. Sorry, seven billion. Like, there's no way you're you're you, this. You're you're just blowing smoke. Like, you if, put it if in you want to blow smoke, yeah, you know, fine. <laughs> but there's just no way that you're gonna you're gonna be able to get one over on Ava and Leo. Come on, uh, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Also, like, you're full of shit, Bob. Is two billion not enough for you? Really? I don't really? understand. Like. You're going to live the rest of your life. How are you going to live anonymously, even with $2 billion? Yeah, You need $7 billion? Well, I don't know how you move that kind of money, international reporting requirements. I mean, like, yeah, like the the financial system. I mean, I don't even know you could buy $7 billion worth of Bitcoin, you know? I mean, like, that would be like a server farm the size of California, you know? Real bad. So, okay. Yeah. So what did you think about judy's dream about the monarch butterflies here i feel like that was meaningful so the this is where the show seesaws for me it teeter totters there will be bits like this where i'm like oh i was kind of actually moved by this scene and and the actress the actor's portrayal and and delivery and i was like oh this is kind of cool and there's something soulful going on and then we get bob like you know like you know screaming idiot you know whatever craggy but (laughs) um yeah i i thought it was interesting and i thought that um the way that she told the story of the butterflies and i I thought it was nice i thought it was a nice little bit of writing and i thought it was a nice little entry into her character and and who she is as a uh you know some of the motivations she has as a character and yeah then it was just contrasted with some very other strange stuff yeah i think it is a clue of why she's with bob is she sees herself as this like last person burning out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that she's in a healthy mind state at all. Right, right. Ava reveals that the back door is gone. Leo reiterates that Roger took everything from him and has everything now. Leo and Ava agree that the heist has to shut down. So this, I guess, is when Leo decides to go to try to kill um, Roger? Well, he needs his revenge some way. Right. He was trying right. to do it fancy, but you know what? No one can get between you and revenge if you really want it, right? No, that's right. That's right. And I guess with the back door, because that was the one thing that they couldn't predict for, is that Roger changes that code every single day, and there's no way to get around that. Right, right. Unless you had the back door, but now it's gone. Right, right. Yeah, that was tricky. That was tricky. I like that. I do like that something happens that gives it back to him. Mm-hmm. And I like that Roger was involved. Again, I just kind of don't like how they got there with Roger. Right. Because it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, you, you this is really the first time you've heard the word hurricane in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. I, I, just, I just don't get it. It really was the, the writer crowbarring this, um, this element into the storyline. Because, I mean, I think that was the premise of the story. Yeah. The story of the, oh, Bonds, you know, a real hurricane a real theft, how can we leverage this into a cool, um, fun storyline? Yeah, tricky, tricky. Okay, Leo and Judy outline a plan to use the hurricane to get past the temperature sensors with chemical explosions. Leo tells the team they will receive their new identities at a cabin in three days. Bob's hand is not ready, but he will try to guide stand on the second dial. Leo gives them one more out. So it's clearly setting up um, more conflict between Bob and Stan here. Yeah. Right? Like that they've, they've got to be 
master blaster here. They've got to be, you know, two, two, two minds, one hands or whatever kind of thing. And they're just so diametrically opposed in, in terms of character. And so uh, great, great source of conflict here. Sure. But why does it have to be Stan? It ha- well, who else could it be? I mean, it's Stan is the only one that I think that can, can operate at that level. Judy's got to do the, the powwow stuff and, and RJ's got to drive. So it's, it's all on Stan. Well, aren't they doing the water thing remotely? Like, I think, I think the plan is that everybody goes in, right? Except RJ. Right. But then RJ, I think, has to move stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah, I just don't um, understand why Stan has to be the person. You can't have Judy do it. I, I, I just don't get it. So they're going to blow a hole in the ceiling, and then they're going to go down into the vault and then crack the safes. Like, is that the way it's going to go? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. No, they're still going to go through the whole process, except the temperature sensor thing. Because what they're doing is they're shooting explosions into the temperature sensors to break them. Right. Yeah. That's the point now. So there's no, like, giant hole. There's little holes. Little holes. Okay. All right. This is all very strange. Yeah. But let, well, I, I'm, I'm hoping for some good pyrotechnics. I'm sure. I think that the production of the show has been excellent so far. Everything's it's very great. Everything's been yeah. very practical, effect-centric. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the production value of the show. I think it's the crafting of the story that's a little bit sloppy at times. Yeah, for sure. Okay, there is a montage of characters prepping for the heist and the defense in the hurricane beginning. Nazan, an FBI agent, tells her partner, Toby, she has a tip from her favorite mole about 505 Wall Street and it's go time. Leo then says, let's go. And that's it. All right. Um, Yeah, the mole, that's a really big question. And um, again, if you didn't know who Nazan is, you suddenly have this FBI agent um, aspect of it. So where that information is coming from, that's a real big X factor there. Real big question mark. Yeah, yeah. You have no context for her here. No, exactly. Which is fine. I mean, you know that there's going to be an FBI agent involved in the heist at some point. Right. Fair enough. So everyone's down to do the heist, it seems like. You know, Leo's, yep. Leo's uh, sending them in. Nobody backed out, it looks like. And, you know, for... for um, five days before the heist, they are cutting it short. They haven't done a lot of practice. They have a lot of technical aspects that they have to get through. They are really ramping up the stakes uh, in terms of uh, making this heist come together. I think that they need to have a little bit of that improvisation if they're going to sell the drama of this, because if they just uh-huh. have everything planned and everything goes off without a hitch, all right, that's it's going to be good point. boring. But uh, I do think that that's an okay way to ramp up drama. I will take that point. I think that's a, that's a fair call on that. So here are my open questions from this episode. Yes. One I already said was, is Ava the mole or mm-hmm. are they tricking us like they did with Leo's phone calls? Okay. If it's not Ava, yeah, well, like, we could theorize here a little bit. If it's not Ava... So it's a, it's a mole at 505. So who do we have at 505? We've got Hannah. We've got Liz. Well, I don't know if... I don't think that is at 505. I think that they said it's going down at 505. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fair so enough. it's not like they're calling from the building. Right. I mean, who would gain for, you know, 7 billion versus, you know, being an FBI stooge? Uh, you know, RJ, what does she say? Our... our 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, I I have to speculate. I'll have to keep that open my uh, mind a little bit and, and speculate a little bit more as I watch the episodes. Right. So does Liz have a role in this operation? Hannah insisted she remember why she's there. Yeah, um, I, we already about talked about that a bit. Then will Judy go along with Bob's plan of betrayal? What do you think? I don't think so. I would hope not. I, except I'm being confused by her behavior. But I think if... If it's one thing, if like they have an opportunity and like RJ's up the street and everybody else hasn't got to the van and it's like Bob and Judy are sitting there, jumping the, you know, grab the keys and go, okay, maybe she'll go along with it. But if he is actively planning harm to any of the other team members, I would have a hard time accepting that Judy would go along with that. Yeah. I, I don't know that she's that kind of a betrayer. But at the same time, she does seem to be pretty convinced that she has to do what he says. It's true. She is his thrall. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's sad because she's like, she's cool. I like, yeah. I like Judy. There's an abusive element to this relationship, though. It's mm, really dark. Bit. Yeah. Okay. The last question is, why did Roger need a new identity? Uh, I'm confused on this point a little bit. Can you, can you refresh my memory? Well, at this point in this episode, we have no idea why Roger needed a new identity. Like, we know oh, that he that's right. yeah, Graham yeah, yeah. Davies. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, we, um, well, that, that is the uh, giant open question for another episode, which I just watched. So yeah. I know these answers, <laughs> but I can't say anything. <laughs> I also know these answers now, but I think that they're, yes. it's interesting to see where we were at for these episodes. I will say that I do like the backstory that does eventually come out between, um, between uh, Leo and, uh, and Roger. Um, I thought it was effective. So I th those answers are there. Well, keep watching, folks. We will keep making podcasts, and uh, we will keep pushing them out as fast as we can. Again, they are coming out on Wednesday and Saturday on the public feeds, but we're putting them out as soon as they're done at, on Patreon. So hop on there if you want them early. It'll be a fun time. Let's do our housekeeping quick, David. Yep. We have our three lore masters, Samarshan, Mark H., and Michael G., Thanks again so much for being in our top tier. Really means a lot that you support us in all this. And uh, this helps us make more podcasts and uh, puts them out faster with, all, with these bin shows. On Bald Move, we have currently coverage of The Last of Us over on HBO. Really great show. Hope you join Jim and Aaron for that. Uh, go to baldmove.com if you want more information there. Also on Bald Move, on the Hot D feed, we have Electric Bukaloo with Maester Anthony reading A Clash of Kings. I think we're going to be on that eventually, David. Yeah, we need to um, get that schedule lined up. And as soon as we know what our chapter is and what our release date is, we'll start letting everybody know when that'll happen. Exactly. Here on the Lorehounds, right now we are doing Kaleidoscope every Wednesday and Saturday, early for patrons, of course. And then we are doing a Silmarillion story on of the beginning of days later in the month. So check out our feed for that. In, and also for patrons, they get second breakfast this month, which is our monthly Q&A, uh, where we also talk about things that we're not covering. David, this was a decent episode. I hope the next one's better. I know it's better because I already watched it. And uh, <laughs> looking forward to talking to you on the next one. Sounds good. See you on Violet. The Lorehounds podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can get ad-free and early versions of these episodes at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.
A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.